Welcome to another episode of Two Guys in a Chainsaw. I'm Todd. I'm Craig. And with us today, we have our special guest, Kristen Kennedy. Hi, Kristen. Hello, Todd. Hi. <laughs> and Kristen just happens to be uh, somebody important in Craig's life. Yeah, my baby sister. That's true. I'm here. <laughs> so are you the one that uh, Craig subjected horror films to growing up? Were you also into that sort of thing? I was into it by default. I wasn't so much necessarily into it as I was just there and he made me watch it. <laughs> so uh, many a days on the couch with a pillow to cover my eyes and, and things like that. But really? he was definitely into it and... I was subjected to it. No <laughs> kidding. <laughs> you were very forgiving. She didn't have much choice. I, I really didn't. There was a lot of choice. I don't even know what was going on that we were so young and watching these horror films all the time, but <laughs> it was happening did, regularly. Did he have to watch like romantic comedies or something to compensate? Or no. <laughs> I was the silent partner. (laughs) (laughs) I just was along for the ride, and I did what he told me to do. Oh, my gosh. And so you wore Troll 2 out. Or Troll. Troll. Troll out, basically. Troll 2, I think we just watched the once. Yeah. That's what it deserves. (laughs) (laughs) It didn't need a rewatching. Oh, my gosh. Um, So Craig cajoled you into coming and joining us here today. He did. I've been listening ever since you started, and... um, so I, I like the listening part. <laughs> he said, do you want to come and be a, a guest speaker or person? I was like, uh, I don't know if I'll say anything, but <laughs> don't watch are. a movie. <laughs> <laughs> now, did you choose this film or was this, uh, did Craig? Sort of, kind of. He said, well, what movie would you want to watch? I was like, I don't know. I haven't even really been watching horror movies lately. I married a guy who hates horror movies and so really I haven't even been watching sometimes I can get away with a suspense thriller type film and since you all started doing this and I've been listening then I'll say okay Craig send me that one I'll watch it before I listen so I've watched a few that way but I haven't been watching too many lately right so (laughs) but I wanted you to pick because you know our intense selection process we decided (laughs) to waive that this week Um, and I, I really wanted to get you here and you said the types of movies that really get to you are not like monster movies and stuff like that, but things that could potentially really happen. Mm. Yeah, so I did. Actually, I did say this title. You know, when he first asked me, I was thinking, well, gosh, what were the ones we watched? We watched, you know, all the Friday the 13th, all the Nightmare on Elm Street, mm. Halloween, all those types of films that were big when we were growing up. Pet Cemetery, really anything Stephen King mm-hmm. we did. And I thought, but you know, when I want to watch a horror film or a suspense film or something like that, I really... I guess I want to be scared or I want it to have some sort of impact on me. And these kind of psychological thrillers or things that feel like they could really happen, those are the ones that stick with me and really get under my skin. And so for me to feel like it was worth watching, I feel like I need to kind of have that reaction. So so you threw out the title. Um, I didn't have to say anything. I didn't even know that you would have ever even heard of this movie. How did you? I saw a preview for it at some point and thought... Well, that looks disturbing. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and I uh, moved away from small town to a slightly bigger town, and, you know, there are home invasions, so I've actually avoided this film for about a decade. Um, But then I thought, well, I haven't seen it. I don't know that much about it. I saw the preview. 
haven't read up on it. I've heard certain things about it, you know, that it's disturbing and whatnot, but I really didn't know much about it. So I thought it might be fun to sit down and watch one that I hadn't seen before, didn't really know much about beyond the preview, and go from there. Now, I'm in the same boat. I didn't know anything about it either. It had come across my Netflix queue a couple mm-hmm. times, and I'm not sure if it was this one or the 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 preview the, the Austrian original. version the yeah. original maybe we should let them know that we're talking about oh yeah uh, so this movie is funny games funny games <laughs> and uh, this is the 2007 uh, remake of 1996 or 97 90- I think 97 yeah I think you're right I think it was exactly 10 years um, it's an American remake it was originally shot in Austria and uh, the original filmmaker what I heard was that he really wanted this to be set in an American setting, and he wanted it to reach an American audience. But the budget constraints didn't allow for that. So he made it in Austria, and then I don't know how the opportunity arose, but 10 years later, the opportunity arose uh, for him to remake it, and he did, and he remade it shot for shot. Really? Um, I've not seen the original, but everything that I've read from people who have seen both say... It is literally the same movie, just with different actors. Oh, my God. Um, And and what I also read is a lot of people really prefer this one. Really? Um, Well, and maybe that's just the American audience that I'm reading. Because, you know, we're lazy sometimes and don't want to read subtitles or whatnot. But I, I, I had seen this a long time ago, and I remember it really having an impact on me, but... I only watched it the one time, and maybe there was a reason for that. <laughs> so I was excited to come back to it, too. Had you not seen it before tonight? No, never. No. Oh, wow. I, I knew nothing. I knew it was a home invasion film, and that was it. Gotcha. Uh, so, and, and I, there are a lot of home invasion films. Mm-hmm. It's not really the kind of film I choose. I'm almost the opposite of you, Kristen. When I'm watching a horror movie, I almost want to see something supernatural. To me, that's a little more thrilling and exciting, and stuff that could really happen to me. Maybe it gets under my skin a little yeah. more. Yeah. yeah. And, uh... And also, it, you know, where do you draw the line? And is this really even a horror film? Right. right. right? And, and I don't know. I was reading a little bit. I didn't want to spoil anything because I hadn't seen it. But um, I was reading some interviews with Naomi Watts. And she was sort of talking about how she kind of often does films that seem genreless, And how, mm-hmm. you know, she did Mulholland Drive. And that was sort of her first one that kind of made her on the radar. Mm-hmm. And that felt kind of genreless. It wasn't right. really horror. It wasn't really suspense. Yeah. What was it? I don't know. I've seen it. And I have <laughs> <laughs> no, I couldn't tell you what it was. Um, but she said this one's kind of the same, you know, but she's known for taking on roles that are really emotionally draining and oh require um, just a lot emotionally and psychologically. And I think this one fit the bill. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. No kidding. Did, she didn't get an Academy Award for this one, did she? No, no I don't think so. None of these movies are up for awards, no. but holy crap, what she had to go through. Yeah. The premise, I, I guess, is that, it, I mean, it's really simple. You know, yeah. usually we spend a lot of time on plot. I feel like we're not going to have to do that because... It's it's a it's a pretty thin plot, it's really. Like three sentences you can right. describe it. Yeah, right. There, you, there's this family. You know, they seem like the, upper upper crust. Yeah, almost. upper crust. Um, and they're going to their summer home. Um, they're taking their boat, and it's a, a young couple. George is the dad, and Anne uh, is the mom. And George they have, played by Tim Roth. Right. Um, and Anne played by Naomi Watts. Right. 
And then they have one son who seemed to be, what, like seven, maybe? Yeah. I'd say probably around ten. I ten? have a son who's almost eight. And oh, I thought, okay. This kid's uh, he's, he's younger than my son, but not enough that it's not making me really uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and a dog. And uh, they're going to their summer house. And when they pull up, they pull up in front of a neighbor's house. And their neighbors are standing outside. And with them are these two young men in... I thought they were caddies uh, yeah. at first. They're dressed in, like, you know, these preppy white shorts and white sweaters and white gloves. Um, but you see them from a distance through the gate. Right, It's a very right. awkward scene. It's awkward staging. Everything about it is awkward. Yeah. Right? Hey! That's not fair! What? Practicing's not fair. You're still on for 10 tomorrow, right? Still coming? Uh, yeah, sure. We have to launch the boat. Can you give us a hand in about 20 minutes? Yeah, sure. Yeah, I'll be there. I'll come over in 20 minutes. Okay, great. See you then. Bye. Um, and when they drive away, Anne, you know, says... That was weird. You know, why were they acting weird? Yeah, she yeah. did. She said, that was weird. And I just wrote, indeed. <laughs> weird indeed. <laughs> Everything about this film in the 30 seconds we've been watching has been weird. Yeah. Yeah. And and so they, so they go on and they get there and they start unpacking and things. Um, the dad... Well, they say when they were back at the neighbors, they say we need help unloading the boat. So um, the male uh, neighbor, Fred, comes over with one of these young guys and they help him get the boat in. And uh, the dog doesn't seem to like the young guy. Yeah, um, was that Paul? It's Paul. It's Paul. Mm. Um, we find out later that they're well. It, we don't really find out anything. No, we don't know what these guys' names are. But we the don't. names, the names that they go by most commonly, the main one or the one that I kind of think of as the ringleader is Paul, and then there's uh, Peter or. Tom. Or Tom. Tom. Yeah, or they call it... Because when they said Tubby. Peter and Paul, I was like, is this the biblical reference? <laughs> right. I can't is Mary going to pop in here at some yeah, point? Yeah, I didn't know what they were doing because <laughs> right. they kept saying different names. I couldn't keep it straight. Right. Well, and I felt like, too, sometimes they were at intentionally flipping their names. Yeah. Am I wrong about this? Oh, they definitely were. Okay. Especially I Paul. Was, it seemed like Paul was intentionally calling Peter different names. Yeah. It had to have been intentional because every, this everything is so contrived. And that's the thing. These boys, we find out very soon, are playing games with these people. Hence the title, Funny Games. Except they're not so funny. They're no, they're funny not funny at all. At all. They're not, they, don't, they don't even start out funny. No. And the interesting thing about this movie, compared to a lot of films like this, is that these boys, even from the beginning, it's not like there's a sudden point in the middle where you realize, oh, they're really nice and really polite. Deep down inside, they're evil. From the beginning, there's something off about these kids. They're overly polite. Yeah. And they seem to fit in with the surroundings because they're dressed in those golf shirts mm-hmm. and they have the, the gloves on, but they don't take the gloves off. And I don't know about you, but that was a little weird. Right. Um, and they're overly polite. And well, we'll basically, uh, Naomi Watts' character, Anne, mm-hmm. right, is mm-hmm. in the kitchen. She's cooking dinner. And we're subjected to these really long domestic scenes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One take, one shot, camera doesn't cut away of her talking on the phone and going to the door and chopping at washing lettuce and mm-hmm. then going back and chopping things. And, and then the other kid comes in. Mm-hmm. Peter. 
who we hadn't seen before this, just in the distance. Just in the distance, right. And he shows up, and her son says, there's somebody here, and um, she goes to the door, and, like, he's super polite, but, like, oddly, like... I don't know. There's just something about them that seems off. I mean, we kind of knew what kind of movie we were getting into anyway. Yeah. But still. Yeah. But even the son said, you know, when he came over and they're helping him get the boat in about the friend, the neighbor that they knew, they said, he said, why is Uncle Fred act behaving so oddly or weirdly or something like that? They noticed he was off, you know, because he's being led by these guys who have apparently been at their house for mm-hmm. however many days, and who knows what they've done to them. Well, and there's a little bit of foreshadowing. Did you notice there at the very beginning, um, as they're driving away, the little boy said, where's Jenny? And I guess yeah. Jenny oh. was... And then he kept saying, Jenny said she was going to be here. She said she was going to be here as soon as we got here. So I'm presuming that was Fred and Eve, the neighbor's daughter. Mm. Um, and, and I that, didn't quite catch that, yeah. but you're right. <clears throat> a little bit of foreshadowing, we'll get, we'll get there. Well, he, he comes in asking for some eggs. He said, oh, Fred and... Uh, Eve. And what's interesting here, too, is he starts calling them Fred and Eve, but then he corrects himself and says, oh, Mr. So-and-so and mm-hmm. Mrs. So-and-so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, again, that's a little off. Like, he's faking how familiar he is with them. The whole scene is just filled with dread. Yeah. Isn't it? It's super awkward, super uncomfortable. I just was thinking... It just starts off awkward right away, yeah. but then, you know, even when the kid says, Mom, there's someone at the door, he looks terrified. Yeah. And then there's this really odd shot where it's, like, through a valance or something where it's kind of white and you can't see his face. Yeah. And they're just sort of staring at each other, no one's saying anything, and then it's sort of like, Hi. You know, they have these very eerie, soft voices, and, yeah, and then they go on about the eggs, and, and it's just awkward the whole time. And I was thinking, I can feel right away this is awkward, and... I don't know. She invites him in, and it goes on and on with the eggs, and things get weird. And I'm just thinking, I would have just gotten out of there. Yeah. You know? yeah. Let's walk outside now. Just follow me outside. I mean, it starts out kind of innocently enough. So, how can I help you? Tell your dad we're eating in ten minutes. Well, Eve's. I, I mean, Mrs. Thompson sent me. She's cooking, and she ran out of eggs and asked if he could help her out. Of course. How many does she need? Four. Four? What for? Excuse me? What for? What does she need the eggs for? I mean, what's she cooking? I have no idea. So, are they okay just like this, or do you need the carton? Whatever you want. And he takes them just in his hands, and he goes around the corner like he's going to leave, and you hear them drop and then she comes in to clean them up and again we have you know at the beginning of this whole deal i don't i mean of course you noticed we don't see the the characters for a while the opening of the film Mm -hmm. has this overhead shot of the car driving down the highway and we hear dialogue in the car and it goes and then it's a close-up shot inside of the car of just the stereo and them putting CDs in. I don't know about you, but I was getting really antsy. Like, I want to see these people. Yeah. Like, show me these people. And you finally do see the people and all that we talked about goes on. But then even when they come home, there's a whole long sequence before the kid comes over where they're letting the dog out and they're walking the dog and he's taking his shoes off and they're setting things out around the house. And you're hearing the voices, but you're not seeing them. And again, I don't know about you, but that... It's just like 
Oh, show me the people already. You know, show me their faces. It's really stylized, and it's that way throughout. It's not your typical cinematography where you're following characters. You know, a lot, a lot of this movie, the action happens out of frame, mm-hmm. and you're, and and we are often looking at one frame for a really long time um and i think that does a lot to build suspense it makes it feel uncomfortable because you just want the camera to turn just a little bit you want to see the people you want to see what's going on sometimes sometimes you don't want to see what's going on and you never quite know fully what's going on yeah i think that's why it's unsettling you can hear some things sometimes it was almost like i can't tell exactly who's talking Mm -hmm. or get that dog to stop barking you know it's just sort of it's nerve-wracking right from the beginning. Well, and when he drops the eggs on the floor, there's this, again, extremely uncomfortable scene that we can all kind of relate to where she bends down to scoop up the eggs, but she only has a couple towels, and she's really bad with it, and she can't quite do it. And it's none of the panache of a quick sweep away that normal movies have. Right. It's a very real scene, but again, it's lingering so long on there, and you really want to see what is what does her face look like, and what's this other guy doing while he's standing there? Is he staring at her? Is he looking around? What's going on? It's almost like we all know that really socially awkward person mm-hmm. who just stares just a little too long uh, at you or around, doesn't say anything. It's Mm -hmm. almost like the camera is making us that guy. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. And and they were socially awkward. I think that's what you would just think. Like, they're very socially awkward. Maybe they only have really rich friends and they don't, you know, it's just like, why is he standing there watching her? Why isn't he bending down and helping her clean up the eggs? Or why doesn't he leave? Yeah, why doesn't he? I got it. (laughs) He's got nothing to say, you know, except this expectation that she's just going to get him more eggs. Right. Yeah. And an insistent expectation. Right. And he's kind of pushy about it, but pushy in like that passive aggressive, polite way. Like, well, I'm just asking you for eggs. I don't really understand what the big deal is. And so she, you know, she's irritated. And not only that, but at some point, he knocks her cell phone in the sink. And it's in like, the water. Yeah, in the water. It's like, oops, sorry. And she's like, uh, okay, I guess. Yeah. Um, and that's the point where you start to notice she's irritated and uncomfortable. And, and, and you would be. <laughs> right. And he's just sort of like, can I get those eggs now? Yeah. <laughs> you said you had a dozen, right? Right. So she sends him, not very happily but she sends him away with four more eggs in a carton and he goes out and you hear the dog barking and then you hear the door open back up again i think and she goes around the corner and both boys are there now is that right yeah the other boy comes in oh because the dog was barking or right and so he's just standing there you don't hear him come in you just see that he's inside now I think. yeah and they weren't invited in you know it's just weird and creepy and they say well the dog chased us up here the dog scared peter and he, he dropped the eggs and now we need more eggs. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, I want you guys to go. You know, at this point, she's she's starting to feel like it's uncomfortable. I'm wondering, where's your husband and, yeah. and your kid? You know, if there are yeah. these creepy boys around, although I guess they don't know they're creepy. Yet. Right. Um, now, is this the point where the no, not yet. No, uh, yeah. well, it was right around here. Some well, okay. So I think that the the husband comes up and she is trying to get them out. Like at this point, she is not worried about being polite anymore, and no. she is physically trying to remove them. And that's when the husband comes in. Will you throw them out. What's going on? Here? Good that you're here, Mister Farber. That's her name, isn't it, Farber? Yeah, um, Fred, Mister Thompson told us. Oh, what's going on here? Your wife is under the wrong impression. I'm, I'm happy that you're here because I'm, I'm certain that you can help us figure out this misunderstanding. George, please. Dad, I can't. Just go. Please. Hey, 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 
take that. I, I, this is ridiculous. I can't believe this, honey. No, he's mind? fine. He's I, fine. May I please explain what happened? Please do. Mrs. Thompson sent me over to ask for some eggs. And then <laughs> your wife gave Peter the eggs, but uh, mm -hmm. unfortunately they broke. And then she gave me another four eggs, but the dog jumped on me, and now... You had a dozen, you're going shopping on Monday anyway. We just want the eggs, that's all. Yeah, can you tell me what's going on here? Honey, can you just tell me what's going on? Just give them to him. Can I have them now? Uh, hold on a moment. And if it's just about some eggs, why are you so angry? Look, I'm not going to justify myself in front I asked you to throw them out. Maybe I have my reasons. Do what you want. I've had enough. Man. And I was thinking, if I told my husband to get him out of here and he was like, now hang on a second, yeah. there'd be a problem. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Obviously, I'm uncomfortable with these boys, but I can understand he's trying to be polite. They, you know, they were with his friends. I'm sure he's thinking, well, I don't want to, you know, cause a problem with our neighbors or our friends, but it's it's getting more awkward by the second. Yeah, and at some point in there, we kind of skipped over it. One, The main guy, uh, Paul... Um, admires the dad's golf clubs yeah. and asks if he can go out and swing it. And she's like, I guess, <laughs> you know. Um, and he goes out and the dog is barking and everybody's hearing the dog bark. And then all of a sudden the dog stops barking. We as the viewer have a pretty good idea of what's happened. This poor dog. As soon as he came on, I actually wrote down, that dog's going to die. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you just, I felt like, and that was something in the beginning you were talking about, those long shots where it's just like, here's where all the shoes sit. And here are the golf clubs i kind of felt like they were giving us the layout uh -huh. they're showing this is where some bad stuff's gonna happen oh. and this is where some bad stuff's gonna happen <laughs> with the golf clubs and uh -huh. here's this dog he's not gonna be around yeah. long. it kind of felt like it's setting it up so that we can get a lay of the land and we can see how everything's gonna go wrong oh. in this film and just an interesting tidbit since we know that um they did this move this remake shot by shot i, I actually saw too that they um use the the blueprints from the the original and so they made sure that even though the house was americanized or a little different the proportions were all still exactly really? the same mm -hmm. and the floor plan was still the same um that makes sense because actually the kitchen seemed a little strange uh mm -hmm. to be right off of the you know what do i know about austrian or, kitchens right. or whatever yeah, but you know it did seem a little europeanish to me mm -hmm. the way the layout might be Eventually, you know, when she tries to get them out, um, the husband kind of just says, well, my wife's really not feeling well, but I don't have all the facts, so I really can't mediate. It'd probably just be better if you leave. And um, they they want the eggs. Yeah. And so they just go up to him kind of with their hands outstretched, like, well, then give me the eggs. And yeah. Go. And he won't. And eventually, um, Paul his polite demeanor starts to break and he starts to be a little bit more aggressive and he gets in his face basically yeah he gets in the dad's face and and george the dad says you need to watch your tone with me young man or something like that and what is what does he respond something like, about you need to watch yourself with me or i'll break you or old man or yeah something yeah i'll break effect. your eggs old man yeah, yeah. right so so george slaps him across the face yeah um well, and uh, that wasn't going to end well. Right. Um, Peter, the other one, 
grabs one of the clubs from the golf bag and just hits the dad right in the leg. But again, we don't see it, right? Mm-hmm. Like I it's didn't see it's it. off screen. You hear it yeah. and you hear the dad go down. Um, and the poor son is right there. Right there. This. And the, I, I think Anne wasn't. No, she wasn't right there. there. But she comes back. Right. And that is just. I, I think that was the point. That's that's when um, Paul starts talking to them and says something like we're going to play a game. And then we are sitting here and there it's been storming in, in our town tonight. And, uh, <laughs> and right at that moment when he, it, it's a close up right on his face. He's looking almost directly into camera and it says, we're going to play a game and boom, the power goes out <laughs> and it, it testifies to the tense nature of this movie because I think all three of us jumped. Oh, we totally did. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> I was checking my heart rate on my Fitbit. <laughs> I think I just had a mini heart attack. Was that a part of the movie? No. Yeah, it was amazing how the tension could build in this scene that takes place in broad daylight right there at the entrance to the house where anybody could walk out a door mm-hmm. with, two, with, with even two guys who are outnumbered. I mean, one of them's a kid, but still... I think the polite society, we try to be somewhat trusting of each mm-hmm. other. We try to... And I think also this upper crust family figures just in the back of their head. I think it's their default mode that anybody who is here right. in our gated community is somehow safe. cool and clear and safe. Mm-hmm. And so everything about the movie except for that weirdness and honesty that gets inserted says there are 15 ways out of this. And it should generally go okay. Right. right. They've had friends stop by. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, you mentioned the gated community. And at one point she said, Anne says, how'd you get in here, by yeah. the way? And he says, oh, there's a hole in the fence. Mm-hmm. You know, that might be Shady. my first step. <laughs> like, so Fred told you to crawl through the hole in the yeah. fence rather than yeah. calling us to ask for eggs. Right. Um, so I think, you know, there were some odd things going on beforehand, but... Uh, yeah. That she just dismissed, right? She and did. Yeah, and from that point on, these boys just play these sick, psychotic games with these people. I mean, I was trying, like, the first one's a guessing game. And uh, Paul pulls the golf ball out of his pocket and drops it and says, what is that? And none of the family says anything. And he says, come on, you know, what is it? And the dad says, a golf ball. And he says, why was it in my pocket? And you see in Naomi Watts' face the realization of what's happened. None of them say anything, and eventually Peter says, because you never hit it. And Naomi Watts says, where is he? She knows that he's used the golf club to kill their dog. And then, so, Paul (laughs) takes her outside and plays warmer, colder with her to show her where the dead dog is. And... Colder, colder, cold. And really, I think that's the first time, too, that we get the full-on look into the camera. And we're seeing, okay, this is not going to be a typical movie. They're breaking the fourth wall kind of a thing. And and I guess it's kind of subtle at that point because he could be looking back. We don't know if the rest of the family is there. But it's the first time it's directly into camera and kind of a smirk. A smirk, right. Like he's direct. Right. Like he's winking at us, the Mm -hmm. viewer. Yeah, he's kind of trying to pull us to his side. And I think that's part of the point of this film is... Isn't this what you guys want? Right. Isn't this what you came here to see? Right. right. 
So yeah, that that was also make, makes one fairly uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, right. Exa- I mean, and that's the thing. You know, they this kind of comes up several times. But the guy who directed it also wrote it, and he has said outright in interviews that this is his commentary on the way that we consume violence in art and film and whatnot. And I think it's really a criticism of you sick bastards, why do you want to see people getting brutalized and murdered, you know, for entertainment? Why is that entertainment? And I think that that's part of the reason that he made the decision not to show a lot of the brutality and violence on screen. Instead, you just kind of see the aftermath of what happens. Yeah, it's it's an interesting way of getting around that because that criticism of a person who's trying to make that point is always, yeah, but aren't you feeding into it? You're making this movie, you're including all this violence. Mm -hmm. I think back to Martyrs. Yeah. And I feel like that's a big portion of a uh, point that Martyrs is trying to make. Yet Martyrs, you have to sit through and watch these people get getting Ugh. horribly tortured. Whereas in this case, you never have to see it. You just get to hear it and imagine it. Which um, doesn't make it any less uncomfortable. No. no. No, not at all. And I think, too, you know, everyone that I had talked about this movie, too, had said it's so violent. It's so disturbing. Mm. But then I wondered... Do they even remember? You don't actually see it. You know, you see some things after the fact, but really, you only see one thing, and that's later, mm-hmm. and then it's kind of erased, sort of. So, right. um, you don't you don't actually see it. You see the aftermath, sort of, not really a whole lot, but you can hear things, and I think it's worse. I mean, I think what yeah. you can imagine is worse than what it would actually be. Right. I um, think so too. And and I think that it was maybe more effective because we've seen that before. You know, we've seen these home invasion movies before. We've seen the people get beat up. This is unexpected. It takes us out of our comfort zone. And I think it, it, it definitely has a, an interesting effect. And don't you, didn't you admittedly have that feeling too? Like, I want to see it. Like, no. go back and show me. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. I mean, not that. like I really, oh, show me that, but like, uh, I want to see what's happening. Or like, I'm not I'm, sure what not, happened. Yeah, I don't know. I have to admit, there's this part of me that I don't have this bloodlust or anything. Right. But I, I did kind of want to, just like in the beginning where I kind of wanted to see their faces, kind of wanted to see their reactions. Well, I kind of wanted to know for sure what was going on. Right, and I think that that is probably part of his point, is that why do we have that morbid curiosity? And I totally know what you mean. It's like, you know, a car accident. You can't look away. You look. (laughs) Um, And uh, this kind of doesn't allow you to do that, but that makes it doubly uncomfortable. Yeah. Well, and and they even make some comments here that are directed, clearly directed more toward the audience than to us, or at least explicitly stating the theme, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. Part of their playing with them is also this excessive politeness and they're almost pretending like they're good guys and like they're being nice to them and and not even in that way where if you're if you're good and you cooperate bad things won't happen to you almost in a way that the whole time they're dangling this carrot in front of them of doubt that maybe we're going to get out of this okay Mm -hmm. until they turn to them and say we're going to make a bet Mm -hmm. right yeah and I kept trying to figure out, and I think that's the point, I kept writing, what are the rules? What are the rules? Because when I would think I would kind of figure it out, they'd break the rules. Or, um, you know, they even at one point, one of the guys, and I think it was um, Paul, said something about they're doing something to preserve moral dignity. And here they are all in their white, and they never curse, and they speak very politely. And they are very polite the whole time, even when they're brutal. They're very polite, and if if they if the Anne or George or whoever doesn't act polite, that's when they're sort of brutalized. And uh-huh. so it seems like they're trying to 
have a sort of commentary on that. Well, and I think he even says, because I wrote this down, it's easier when things are polite. Right. Yes. Yeah. I wrote that down, too. I was like, oh, it just gives you the willies. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, and, and from this point, really, they're just torturing these people. I mean, it, the dad's leg is broken. They are, you know, they're... Killed the dog. They killed the dog. <laughs> At one point, the little boy gets away and runs to a neighbor's house, but they've already killed the neighbors, too. Paul uh, finds him and brings him back. I mean, there are so many times, you know, the kid gets away and you're like, please, kid, just run. Just please keep running just and never run. stop. I mean, it even made me write down, I need to tell my kid, just run. Yeah. Run as far <laughs> as you can if anything ever happens. And, you know, I work in an elementary school and we have to practice intruder drills. And uh-huh. we tell the kids, run, mm. run until you can't see anything. Run. We will find you wherever you end up. It's better to find you far away in a bush somewhere yeah. than to, you know, have you here with the bad people and so it just made me think these are things that you have to somehow as a parent not really scare your child into you know talking about those kinds of situations that hopefully you'll never encounter but man I want my kid to know don't worry about me yeah run yeah. you know you could see this kid struggling with my mom and dad are in uh-huh. there should I climb the fence should I stay close mm-hmm. what should I do so you're saying it would be instructive to show this film to your children <laughs> <laughs> no <laughs> no, no. No. Well, it, it, it is interesting, and you are sitting there going, climb the fence, climb, no, don't, don't come back down, don't, don't go back in, no, don't go in the corner, no, don't do everything. Uh, but you kind of know that he's not going to make it anyway, simply because these guys, he's so unconcerned that he's taken off. Right, right. You know? Yeah, I mean, I, ex- I guess I expected him to get caught, even though I really didn't want him to, this cute little kid, and he was so scared, and that little actor did such a good job. Yeah. And that's heartbreaking. I know, and that, what Naomi Watts, I think, talked about how difficult it was for her, who is the lead actor, the dad? Oh, Tim Roth. Yeah, Tim Roth. yeah, Tim Roth. He had, I mean, I was reading about, he said that it was so horrible making this film that he will not watch it. And has and not has watched, not watched it. Really? Naomi Watts really said, you know, I've done a lot of difficult films that were really emotionally demanding and I just find ways to take myself out of it and the director was really great. We would find moments where we needed to escape. Sometimes we just had to get off set for a while. Sometimes we would just make a really inappropriate joke or, you know, we would find ways to deal with it. Um, and she said, you know, I can go home and, and not take it home with me. But it doesn't seem like Tim Roth could do that. I mean, yeah. he has not watched it. He said well, it and, and he has said that part of the reason was because the actor who played his son reminded him very much of his own son. Oh, really? Yeah, and I can see how that would be terrible. You know, they, yeah. they, they bring the son back. And, of course, this is after you said that thing about preserving moral standards or something like that that was when they put a pillowcase over the kid's head and they made the mom take her clothes off don't want to hurt the kitty cat right leave him alone exactly daddy would like to play too what are we waiting for tell your wife not to be shy it's silly i'm sure she doesn't have jelly rolls You just have to tell her to take off her clothes. Please. Take off your clothes, honey. That that. was the most horrible for me to watch, seeing that poor kid struggling to breathe under this thing. And I I remember thinking, because the husband is there sort of looking at her and she's looking to him and he's saying, you know, take off your clothes. They're sort of making the husband tell her. And I was thinking, nobody'd have to tell me, you know, as a mom. I'd be stripping my clothes off, whatever I could do, and I had to, you know, I kept thinking over and over. Of course, you never know what you would do in that situation, right. but I kept thinking, 
someone messes with my kids, I'm going to do everything I can to mm-hmm. get my kid out of that situation. And that was something, too, that Naomi Watts had said. She said, you know, I wanted to believe that I could have got my family out of that situation. But you don't know. You, you just have no idea what's going to go on and that kind of thing. And Well, they were so paralyzed throughout the whole thing. And I think that comes forward in toward the end when the husband is talking with his wife, when the killers have ostensibly left. Unfortunately, the kid has been killed. Yeah, they they kill the kid first, um, and it's which is so weird. It, it is. I mean, it defies convention. You always think the kid is going to make it, but I, I think that that's what they were going for. I think he was trying to defy convention, and Peter, no, Paul, the main guy, even comments on it. He said, "What are you doing? You don't kill. The, you don't kill the kid first. Uh, don't you know anything about timing or something yes, like that?" Yeah. Um, and it's like he's playing this thing out. And he says stuff like that a couple of different times. Um, after they kill the kid, they leave. They say, oh, time for us to go. i got to go. We'll uh, grab some away. food. Right. See you see later. Ya. Door shuts and they can hear the car drive off. And that is where you just see, again, it's one of those still frames of just the room. And you see blood on the TV and on the wall. You see the husband's legs on the floor coming out of one side of the couch. Everything's kind of obscured by the couch. Naomi Watts is uh, kneeling. She's bound. Hands and feet are bound together. In her underwear. She, like, in her you underwear. You couldn't get more vulnerable than right, she is right. in that moment. And, and you see the, you know, the kid's legs over by the TV, and that's where the spray of blood is. Now, at first, I remember seeing this the first time. It appeared that they shot the kid, and I couldn't believe it. But then I also thought that maybe they had killed them both. I thought so, too. It plays some games with you by showing you the father's legs, but you don't hear him. And he he doesn't doesn't move. move. And there was only one, you know, we only heard one shot fired. There was only one shot, but then you heard kind of what it sounded like. That's kind of scuffle. scuffle or struggle. Right. Which I can only imagine is the parents doing whatever they can. I mean, there's nothing that they could do. I mean, they're, the dad has this terrible broken leg. She's completely bound. You know, her hands are together, her feet are together. And it's... And, that is a long scene. It's a lo- And it's so painful. And the TV has been on and been very loud the whole time, too. So there's all this extra noise. And it's just very... It's hard to watch on many levels. But then, too, you feel so aggravated by the noise and, and everything. And you almost feel like... You know, one of the first things Naomi Watts does is she sort of tries to maneuver herself over to the TV to just turn the darn TV off Mm -hmm. so there's not that extra noise. And then there's that horrible silence. You know, when the camera is away is when the physical pain happens, but the emotional pain is what the camera lingers on. And it forces you to be a voyeur and to stare and and live through this pain, watch these people go through this pain. That was a terrible scene. It, that was scene was at least five minutes long. Oh, it was long. Uh, of her trying, struggling and getting out. And it's not just of her physically struggling, but it's of her mentally yeah. getting the will to get up and to do these things and to move around and then getting her husband up. And, right. You know, another scene shortly before the kid was killed when they track him down is this look of terror in his face when he's cornered with the gun. And the tears are streaming down his face. And that lingers for so long on that. It's super uncomfortable. Yeah, it's like, okay, you like to go pay movie to see people get killed. Now we're going to make you consider the actual ramifications of something violent like this Try happening. Try to feel what they're feeling. Mm-hmm. And that point. is why that scene, you know, I don't have kids, but I can only imagine... What could you... I think you turned to me and said, I, at that point... I said... Well, for one thing, I noticed right away as she's struggling to get to the TV, as she's struggling to get to her feet because her, I mean, her feet are taped together, Mm -hmm. really close together. And, 
you know, her arms are behind her back. She never once looked at Mm-mm. the kid. No. And I thought, there's no way you could. Mm-mm. If you were going to get out of that and stay conscious, mm-hmm. um, you couldn't look. And I, I just really, I think I was holding my breath that whole time as she was trying to stand up and she'd fall down. And she's, you can tell she's trying to fall in a way that she's not going to see the kid. Or I don't even know if she knows if her husband's alive at that right. point. Right. And then he gets himself set up. And then I feel like he kind of starts sobbing. And it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's that kind of sob where you just you don't even have the breath for it and um she runs back in we you know we pres- we assumed she was going to the kitchen to get a knife to take her tape off which she had and she runs back in and she just gets down on the floor with him and embraces him and they're just holding there in that embrace for a good 30 seconds or longer and it's just agonizing i mean you just can't even imagine what they must be feeling or thinking in that moment yeah and it this whole sequence really conjures up these conflicting feelings right you have the feelings of guilt you have the feelings of sadness you have the feelings of putting yourself in their shoes and the vicariously living this grief through them but then there's also this this nagging part of you that's like you guys need to get Get out 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 and i but i remember i did i turned to craig and i said you know as a parent though we assume that's their only child. That's the yeah. only kid that was with them. And in a way, you're sort of like, what does it matter now? You right, know, we just right. watched our kid get killed in front of us. Oh, well, whatever happens to us, you know, that's right. kind of when you're a parent, it feels like very much your life is living for your kid a lot of the time. And so it would be very hard to just think, okay, well, we need to run now. But at the same time, watching it, I was thinking, get, get up, out. Get, get out. a move on. I know your leg hurts, but yeah. you would think you could walk on it for a little while and and that's you know that's what they do they they start to get up and start to get ready to leave and i felt like this part you know the whole time i'm thinking get out get out get out but at the same time i'm thinking if i were in this situation i would might be doing yeah. the same things that they were doing well and he told her you gotta go you know yeah. his his leg he's realizing he's too hurt he doesn't think he can make it he's gonna hold him back you know there's the whole bit about the cell phone they try to get the cell phone to work that's been dropped in the water well and like it comes on and so they keep trying to mess with it and i can imagine that i would do that like if if I got that cell phone to work and I thought there was yeah. some hope that it might actually work, I might have lingered a little bit longer mm-hmm. than I should have. But he says to her, you know, you've got to go. And I remember thinking, I don't want to be the one to go. You know, you'd be, I know they supposedly left, but they're probably out there. Right. They came before. I don't want to run out there and be by myself. And you can, so kind of, you, I felt like I could see that in her face. The reluctance, like she didn't want to go by herself, but there was no other choice. Yeah. She ends up uh, leaving after after the struggle with the cell phone and he's propped up on a chair he manages to drag himself meanwhile in i think put a blanket over the kid and then she goes out by the she goes to the next door neighbor and she yells through the gate and they're not there and she's struggling down the road it's the middle of the night at this point Mm -hmm. and uh a car starts to come by and again you've been in this situation a hundred times before when you're looking for a car and you're not sure it's the right one because you every car looks the same when just the headlights are Mm -hmm. barreling straight towards you but she hides behind a tree because it could be them coming back. And as soon as it passes by and it's not, she runs out. And, of course, they, she can't flag mm-hmm. them down. Then another car comes. And just when we're about to see whether it's them or not, it cuts to the guy mm-hmm. inside. And, and you like, can see. Oh. God, I just think she did such a good job. And I'm sure the direction of the cinematography had something to do with it, too. But you can see that conflict in her face. Do I take the chance? Right. You know, the last one was safe. If I had taken that one, I could... You know, be out of here. Do I take the chance? And and I'm sitting here thinking, 
I don't know either. <laughs> I don't know what you should do. I don't know either, but I'm I'm a baby, and so I think I would have still hidden and then just kept running for houses yeah. or something. But it just goes to show you, you know, we have these gates. We have all these security systems to keep people out. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, that's kind of her biggest problem is she can't get in anywhere to get yeah. help. There's, there's so much security, and she can't get somewhere. She mm-hmm. should have taken those wire clippers with her right. and cut the neighbor's fence. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> what was she thinking? Well, it was them in the car, and yeah. they and they get her and they bring her back. And I mean, this is really, this is endgame. I mean, the the main guy Paul basically says, you know, they do the counting off thing again to see who's going to go first, and uh, Peter, who is doing the counting, messes it up several times and has to start over several times. So again, you know, it's just this long, tense moment. But eventually, it comes down to it's going to be the husband, husband George. They tell Anne. Now we get to play a game again. It's called The Loving Wife, otherwise known as whether by knife or whether by gun, losing your life can sometimes be fun. (laughs) Come on, don't fall asleep. You have to play the game, otherwise I have to gag you again, and you don't like that, do you? And the game is you get to choose how he dies. Do we shoot him? Or do we stab him to death? And like, as they have been doing this whole time, they force these people to participate. And there's part of me that almost just wanted her to just be defiant and just refuse. But again, when she refuses, off camera, we don't see it, but we hear it, one of them stabs the husband, and he's moaning and clearly in agony. And she did refuse once, I think, in some way, and they ended up punching her in the stomach, and it was kind of the first time they had been violent to her, and so I think it was kind of, and they kind of threw the kid on them, and so it was showing, all right, they're not going to just beat up the dad, or, you know, it's anything goes kind of a deal. And we didn't mention this, but at some point, and I think it was before the son even died, or, or no, 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 it was right after they shot the son, you know, there's kind of this scuffle, and, you know, the Paul is saying, oh, what'd you do that for? What'd you do? The boss is going to be so mad. Yes. And I'm wondering, who is the boss? I know. Yeah. You was, know? They dropped the eggs on the floor or something again. He said, oh, the boss is going to be mad because we're supposed to, he stressed that we need to keep the carpet, carpet clean. Or he something. was talking about, I think he was talking about Peter. Was, or no, Paul. That was Peter that said it. I think he was talking about Paul. Really? Um, because Paul had said when he walked out, he said, remember, because what's his name? The other one was getting ready to kill somebody. And he said, don't. No, he said, if you get bored with them, when he ran off to chase the kid, mm-hmm. um, when Paul ran off to chase the kid, he said, if you get bored with them, just dump a bucket of water over his head. But careful not to mess up the rug. And then later, uh, Peter drops the eggs oh. and he says, oh, he specifically said, don't mess up the rug. But then I thought it was kind of the the ringleader guy who said the boss is going to yeah. be so Oh, maybe mad. you're right. Maybe I missed it. So like I, it was. I couldn't figure out hmm. then, well, who is the boss? Yeah. And and I don't think... Tony Danza. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> as soon as I said that, I was thinking, who's the boss? Um, oh, if only Tony Danza were part of this film, yeah. it would have been very different. Um, but I couldn't figure it out, and I... Maybe we're not supposed to. Maybe it doesn't yeah. matter. And Well, because they've been lying through the whole time. Yeah. I mean, they... We don't know if these are their real names, but Paul tells, you know, all these silly backstories that are totally conflicting. And he he even says, 
I'm lying. All of that was a lie. So mm-hmm. we can't believe anything that they're they drug say. Drug addicts, and then, or that you know, the one guy sleeping with his mom, right. and he's actually white trash. And there are all these different backstories he gives, and sometimes they're funny. It's kind of a nice relief for a second, <laughs> um, an uncomfortable laugh, I guess. Right. But, but yeah. I almost skipped over it because we were talking about they were making, they were forcing her to make the decision, and he's kind of he's playing with her, trying to get her to make this decision, and. For the first time, we see some violence on screen, and it was it happens so quickly. While he's playing with her, talking to her quietly, Naomi Watts, Anne, really super fast, jumps down to the coffee table where the shotgun is laying, and pulls it up and shoots Peter. Right through the chest, He we see this. This is the first overt violence we've really seen. He flies up against the wall... Um, and he's clearly dead, um, clearly dead. And I'm thinking, no matter what happens, thank God, at you know, least yeah. one of them, right? Dead. At least she got one of them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then this, I think, is the most controversial part of the movie, and a part that people complain about. Really? Yeah. Um, That's when um, Paul is running around, and he finds the remote control. Yeah. Where's the remote? Where's the remote? Mm-hmm. Picks it up, uh, hits the back uh, on it, and it re- literally rewinds the film in front of us to the point before that happens so that they can replay it and he grabs the gun just in time before she does it. Right. And, and he, he says to her, too, you're not allowed to break the rules right after that. He's <laughs> broken the rules, yeah. And, and you know, I, I actually really thought that was ingenious. Uh, as far as trying to get your point across, here was the violence you really wanted to see. Right. And that is denied to you. Yes. Ultimately. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Yeah, and but it, it is frustrating because you you want her to get away, and again, it's kind of defying formula because usually there's one person, no matter how much they go through, even if they don't necessarily overcome their pursuer, they get away. Usually, even if they've lost everything, right? You're still holding out hope that that one person's going to make it. Right. They're going to have a really screwed up life, but they're going to make it. But instead, you know, he forces her. Well, I, I don't. At that point, I think that he just shoots the husband. Yes. But before before that, when he was toying with her, again, we got another one of those shots where he looks directly into camera and says, you guys want uh, a good ending, right? With plausible plot points, right? Mm-hmm. And then he goes back to her. Again, it's like, this is what you want, right? This is what you want. And it's it's creepy. And you know he too, right before that, right before when when she grabs the gun, it's like what finally sets her off is they they keep messing with her. You know they say say any prayer, say it perfectly, and and you get to decide what happens. And she's like, I don't know any prayers, you know. And and so they give her this really short, easy one, and so she says it, and then they say, okay, that was just practice. Now and, you know, and it's like, God, she did what you said. It doesn't right. matter. It doesn't it's, matter. Nothing's going to matter. And I think she realizes that, and that's when she right. grabs the gun, and, right. and of course that doesn't matter for us. Right. Yeah. They shoot him, and then this is pretty much the end of the movie. It's morning by this time, and uh, we see the three of them, the two boys and Anne in rain slickers, going down to the boat where the boat is docked. And uh, they get in the boat. Um, again, there was a red herring kind of planted early on. The dad had needed a knife for working on the boat, and it had gotten left there. And she gets sat down right where it was. Um, and she does pick it up and start to try to uh, cut the knife. But they see her right away and just take <laughs> it away. Like, it's, like they give you, oh, there may still be a shred of hope. No. 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 And they even commend her for her efforts. Oh, that's Olympic spirit or yeah. something. You know, they're, look at her. 
sweet mm-hmm. little thing, but it's not going to work. Yeah, and then he says, come up next to me, by, come over here, sit next to me, it's safer up here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so she's sitting between the two of them, and they're just having this random conversation. About reality. About reality. reality. Yeah, it's not yeah. terribly random. Right. Uh, it definitely fits in with the theme. And uh, he just, uh, Paul just looks at her and says, ah, see you later, goodbye, and unceremoniously knocks her over the edge. Yep. There's no splash, there's no shot on her, you know, body floating down slowly into the ocean or anything. She's just gone. Yep, that's She's it. gone. And then, you know, I, I knew what was going to happen because early on in the film, a friend had stopped by and, you know, very creepily, this young man said, hey, which house is yours? Like, mm-hmm. you know, just very odd. And, and she sort of describes her house. And so, you know, that's their next stop. Yeah. And sure enough, yep. that's their next stop. They just keep on rowing right or sailing right to their house. They're back with the egg routine. And yep. they, they need some and need some eggs. He uh, he gets into their house, the main one, Paul, and um, the woman goes to get eggs. And again, he kind of looks around the house. Then he looks right at us in the camera and freeze boom, frame, freeze frame, loud music. Q credits. Yeah. yeah, and this loud music too. They they use that a lot, and I thought, you know. It's kind of clever. I wonder, does he just carry the CD around? Because the music just sounds like people screaming. Yeah. And they play it when they're murdering people, mm-hmm. you know? So it's disturbing on many levels. Well, I think that conversation that they have is meant to be pointed. And yes. I think it may even be a little bit heavy-handed, the conversation that the two boys have in the boat. Yes. One, I don't even know what they're talking about. I don't know if they're talking about movies, books, comic books, but the simpler of the two, Peter, is talking about something that he saw or read where a guy got trapped in an alternate reality and was trying to communicate with his family in the real reality, but then he realized that his alternate reality was fiction. And um, uh, Paul says... Okay, so where's your hero now? Is he in reality or is he in fiction? His family's in reality and he's in fiction. But isn't fiction real? Why? Well, you can see it in the movie, right? (laughs) Of course. Well... And it's just as real as reality. Because you can see it too. Right? So isn't that just as real as real reality? Yeah. Uh, And I I think that's kind of what he's getting at too. You know, we crave... Why? Why do we want to watch these horrible, horrible things that do happen in reality? Mm -hmm. And we pay a bunch of money to go to a movie theater and watch it play out on a big screen. While we eat candy. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I don't know the answer to the question. I think it's an interesting question, especially for somebody like me and Todd who watch these things all the time. <laughs> maybe get judged for it occasionally. Yeah, right. <laughs> Kristen. No, no, I'm just no. Kidding. I don't I don't judge and I you know, I like supernatural movies too. Um for me this one it got under my skin, but I'm not gonna well, I say this now, I'm not home by myself. I may lose sleep over it those nights, but It helped me that they did break that wall, that they Mm. looked into the camera, because then I could say, this is goofy. You know, Mm -hmm. this, thank you for breaking that, because now I don't feel like it's so real. And I just could breathe a little better once they started doing that, and I didn't feel so tense. So for me, that helped. And and maybe that's, uh, maybe the director wanted to do that. (laughs) I don't don't know. know. Well, it had the opposite effect on me. It felt like I'm part and parcel to this, you know, that mm-hmm. uh, breaking that fourth wall means there is no separation between the reality of us and the TV. And therefore, yeah, I don't know. I mean, obviously, I didn't literally think right, that, right, but right. I, it did kind of give me that sense. And it did cause, 
caused me to question, why am I watching this? Yeah. Right, right. Um, we could have turned it off at any point. Right. We wouldn't have for the podcast, right. but, you know, it's 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 very true. This is something that bothered me a lot about Martyrs. Uh, that is a movie that I have very conflicted feelings about. And you've, I'm, you've seen it, I I've presume. seen it, yeah, and I'm sure we'll talk about that sometime later. But I felt like it was, in some ways, making a similar statement or attempting to. Mm-hmm. I thought this film was a little more skillful at it. Yeah, I don't know. I saw that movie once, and it was really um, brutal. I mean, it's just really, really... I mean, it's torture, and it's just... You see everything, and it's the worst kind of torture you can imagine, like flaying. and th- I mean, it's just awful. I, I think you're right. I think it was commentary on, on graphic violence in art as well, but I don't know. I felt like the message of that one got muddied a little bit. Oh, yeah, well, especially um, by the end. Yeah. The ending is a little strange. This one, I don't know that I necessarily agree with his message, but I think that it's something interesting to consider. I think that he's also maybe making the suggestion that because we, glorify is not the right word, but because we celebrate this in art, that that may lead to people wanting to celebrate it in real life and maybe acting these things out when otherwise they wouldn't. Mm. And that's been a debate forever. You know, do violent video games, you know, cause teens to be violent? Um, and I don't know what the answer is, but I, I, I wonder if he was maybe kind of digging at that question too. Well, like, thankfully he made this so uncomfortable <laughs> that it would be harder to... You can't really say he was glorifying the violence in this film no. in any way. By not showing it, of course. He denied us everything that you normally see in these movies. He even denied us the nudity. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. that... Uh, of Naomi Watts, but we got to linger on her face as she's experiencing mm-hmm. the uh, humiliation of that scene, which is ten times worse. Which, yeah. I mean, if every movie were like that, and every movie truly showed you the real power of violence, it would no longer be entertainment. Right, you know, right. I, it's hard to imagine where you could draw a line, how you could possibly have bad things happen in art without encountering that kind of a question. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's pretty heady for. <laughs> it's, it's definitely a, a, a bigger uh, philosophical question than we had last week with Hausu. So. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, just another, just to make it even darker. The original. I was reading that there's the, there's sort of a um, a curse on this film, and people weren't sure if they should remake it because three of the four original actors from the original film are dead now. You're kidding? No. Yeah, three of the four, and um, you know, one was in his fifties, I think. One like thirty six, thirty six. I know that the the husband and wife were actually a couple uh-huh. in real life. I can't remember now. I know two men. I, I don't remember if it was the woman, mm-hmm. but three of the four are now dead. That's wild. <laughs> in, in a decade. Crazy. Um, so they there was just all around bad vibes sort of surrounding this mm-hmm. film. But, um, you know, Naomi Watts kind of spoke to the the violence piece, and she said it was, it was very artfully done, and I think that, um, you know, people were questioning how violent it was and i think she was trying not to give too much away right by saying you know you may be surprised well i agree that it was artfully done i think it was a well-made film it was uncomfortable to watch but i think it was really well made you alluded to some controversy earlier did we cover all that or um gosh i don't know what i was mad about that about the rewind scene about the looking to the camera about you know they're all about these rules and yet they keep breaking rules that's that's kind of what i kept hearing from people i hate it when people say things like this because it's so pretentious but honestly 
the people who are complaining about that, I don't think they got the purpose no, of yeah, the No, yeah, I think movie. you're absolutely right. And I'm sorry, I don't mean to sound pretentious, I get really irritated <laughs> when people say stuff like that, but I really think that you kind of missed the point if uh, those were the complaints that you had coming away from it. Or perhaps didn't even see the film, you know? Yeah, they, they right. could have just heard about how brutal it right. is and, and stuff like Because I certainly had heard it is so brutal, and I watched it and I thought, well, we really didn't see mm-hmm. much of anything. I don't know how it did. Do you guys? And know it didn't how do it did? well. It it, really? it only got a very limited theatrical release. Um, it lost money. I don't think it made mm. back half. It, it was on like a fifteen million dollar budget, and I don't think that it made that back. Really? Yeah, I don't wow. think it did. It was really limited. I could see people walking out of this film. You know, at the theater. I think it's it's so uncomfortable. And anytime you have, especially, I could see a lot of people leaving when that kid is dead. You know, yeah. we don't see him get killed but it's just kind of like all right i i didn't sign up for this you know we don't expect to see that Mm -hmm. and um but in a way you know (laughs) psychos are just psychos you know and people try to figure out what they're thinking but you know right yeah there isn't. There, may, there is no rhyme and reason right. behind it right (laughs) these games aren't as funny as you thought they were going to be right right. (laughs) not funny well, thank you again for joining us for another episode. Uh, thank you, Kristen, thank for joining you. us. I'm glad you came. So thank great to you. have you. Did you have fun? Sure, yeah. <laughs> I don't know that I um, I had any insightful input, but uh, yeah, it, was, yeah, it, was it was a lot fun. of fun. It was no, a lot of fun. It was fun. A very serious subject matter, but fun to chat about. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Please check us out on iTunes. We're also on Stitcher. If you like this podcast, please share it with a friend. Check out our Facebook page. Leave us a comment. We'd love to hear uh, what you have to say and your thoughts about this movie as well. Did you agree with the controversy? Did you not? Did you get it, mm-hmm. as Craig said, or are you going to admit that you didn't? <laughs> <laughs> Until next week, I'm Todd. I'm Craig. And I'm Kristen. With Two Guys and a Chainsaw. Chainsaw.